0: Ingersoll on the Holy Bible from the works of Robert G. Ingersoll, Volume 3, Lectures About the Holy Bible This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Butros. About the Holy Bible Section 7. The New Testament Who wrote the New Testament? Christian scholars admit that they do not know. They admit that if the four Gospels were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they must have been written in Hebrew. And yet a Hebrew manuscript of any one of these Gospels has never been found. All have been and are in Greek. So educated theologians admit that the Epistles, James and Jude, were written by persons who had never seen one of the four Gospels. In these epistles, in James and Jude, no reference is made to any of the Gospels, nor to any miracle recorded in them. The first mention that has been found of one of our Gospels was made about 180 years after the birth of Christ, and the four Gospels were first named and quoted from at the beginning of the third century, about 170 years after the death of Christ. We now know that there were many other gospels besides our four, some of which have been lost. There were the gospels of Paul, of the Egyptians, of the Hebrews, of Perfection, of Judas, of Thaddeus, of the Infancy, of Thomas, of Mary, of Andrew, of Nicodemus, of Marcion, and several others. So there were the acts of Pilate, of Andrew, of Mary, of Paul and Thecla, and of many others. Also a book called The Shepherd of Hermas. At first not one of all the books was considered as inspired. The Old Testament was regarded as divine, but the books that now constitute the New Testament were regarded as human productions. We now know that we do not know who wrote the four Gospels, The question is, were the authors of these four Gospels inspired? If they were inspired, then the four Gospels must be true. If they are true, they must agree. The four Gospels do not agree. Matthew, Mark, and Luke knew nothing of the atonement, nothing of salvation by faith. They knew only the gospel of good deeds, of charity. They teach that if we forgive others, God will forgive us. With this the Gospel of John does not agree. In that Gospel we are taught that we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we must be born again, that we must drink the blood and eat the flesh of Christ. In this Gospel we find the doctrine of the Atonement, and that Christ died for us and suffered in our place. This gospel is utterly at variance with the other three. If the other three are true, the gospel of John is false. If the gospel of John was written by an inspired man, the writers of the other three were uninspired. From this there is no possible escape. The four cannot be true. It is evident that there are many interpolations in the four gospels. For instance, in the 28th chapter of Matthew is an account to the effect that the soldiers at the tomb of Christ were bribed to say that the disciples of Jesus stole away his body while they, the soldiers, slept. This is clearly an interpolation. It is a break in the narrative. The 10th verse should be followed by the 16th. The 10th verse is as follows. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go unto Galilee, and there shall they see me. The sixteenth verse. Then the eleven disciples went away unto Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. The story about the soldiers contained in the eleventh, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth verses is an interpolation, an afterthought, long after. The fifteenth verse demonstrates this. Fifteenth verse. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Certainly this account was not in the original gospel. And certainly the fifteenth verse was not written by a Jew. No Jew could have written this. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day mark john and luke never heard that the soldiers had been bribed by the priests or if they had did not think it worth while recording so the accounts of the ascension of jesus christ in mark and luke are interpolations matthew says nothing about the ascension Certainly there never was a greater miracle, and yet Matthew, who was present, who saw the Lord rise, ascend, and disappear, did not think it worth mentioning. On the other hand, the last words of Christ, according to Matthew, contradict the ascension. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. John, who was present, if Christ really ascended, says not one word on the subject. As to the ascension, the Gospels do not agree. Mark gives the last conversation that Christ had with his disciples as follows. Go ye into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God. Is it possible that this description was written by one who witnessed this miracle? This miracle is described by Luke as follows and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Brevity is the soul of wit. In the Acts we are told that, when he had spoken while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Neither Luke, nor Matthew, nor John, nor the writer of the Acts, heard one word of the conversation attributed to Christ by Mark. The fact is that the ascension of Christ was not claimed by his disciples. At first Christ was a man, nothing more. Mary was his mother, Joseph his father. The genealogy of his father, Joseph, was given to show that he was of the blood of David. Then the claim was made that he was the Son of God, and that his mother was a virgin, and that she remained a virgin until her death then the claim was made that christ rose from the dead and ascended bodily to heaven it required many years for these absurdities to take possession of the minds of men if christ rose from the dead why did he not appear to his enemies why did he not call on cephas the high priest why did he not make another triumphal entry into jerusalem If he really ascended, why did he not do so in public, in the presence of his persecutors? Why should this, the greatest of miracles, be done in secret, in a corner? It was a miracle that could have been seen by a vast multitude, a miracle that could not be simulated, one that would have convinced hundreds of thousands. After the story of the resurrection, the ascension became a necessity. They had to dispose of the body so there are many other interpolations in the Gospels and Epistles. Again I ask, is the New Testament true? Does anybody now believe that at the birth of Christ there was a celestial greeting, that a star led the wise men of the East, that Herod slew the babes of Bethlehem of two years old and under? The Gospels are filled with accounts of miracles. Were they ever performed? Matthew gives the particulars of about 22 miracles, Mark of about 19, Luke of about 18, and John of about 7. According to the Gospels, Christ healed diseases, cast out devils, rebuked the sea, cured the blind, fed multitudes with five loaves and two fishes, walked on the sea, cursed a fig tree, turned water into wine, and raised the dead. Matthew is the only one that tells about the star and the wise men, the only one that tells about the murder of babes. John is the only one who says anything about the resurrection of Lazarus, and Luke is the only one giving an account of the raising from the dead the widow of Nain's son. How is it possible to substantiate these miracles? The Jews, among whom they were said to have been performed, did not believe them. The diseased, the palsied, the leprous, the blind who were cured, did not become followers of Christ. Those that were raised from the dead were never heard of again. Does any intelligent man believe in the existence of devils? The writer of three of the Gospels certainly did. John says nothing about Christ having cast out devils, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke give many instances. Does any natural man now believe that Christ cast out devils? If his disciples say he did, they were mistaken. If Christ said he did, he was insane or an impostor. If the accounts of casting out devils are false, then the writers were ignorant or dishonest. If they wrote through ignorance, then they were not inspired. If they wrote what they knew to be false, they were not inspired. If what they wrote is untrue, whether they knew it or not, they were not inspired. At that time it was believed that palsy, epilepsy, deafness, insanity, and many other diseases were caused by devils, that devils took possession of and lived in the bodies of men and women. Christ believed this, taught this belief to others, and pretended to cure diseases by casting devils out of the sick and insane. We know now, if we know anything, that diseases are not caused by the presence of devils. We know, if we know anything, that devils do not reside in the bodies of men. If Christ said and did what the writers of the three Gospels say he said and did, then Christ was mistaken. If he was mistaken, certainly he was not God. And if he was mistaken, certainly he was not inspired. Is it a fact that the devil tried to bribe Christ? Is it a fact that the devil carried Christ to the top of the temple and tried to induce him to leap to the ground? How can these miracles be established? The principles have written nothing, Christ has written nothing, and the devil has remained silent. How can we know that the devil tried to bribe Christ? Who wrote the account? We do not know. How did the writer get his information? We do not know. Somebody, some seventeen hundred years ago, said that the devil tried to bribe God, that the devil carried God to the top of the temple and tried to induce him to leap to the earth, and that God was intellectually too keen for the devil. This is all the evidence we have. Is there anything in the literature of the world more perfectly idiotic? Intelligent people no longer believe in witches, wizards, spooks, and devils, and they are perfectly satisfied that every word in the New Testament about casting out devils is utterly false. Can we believe that Christ raised the dead? A widow living in Nain is following the body of her son to the tomb. Christ halts the funeral procession and raises the young man from the dead and gives him back to the arms of his mother. This young man disappears. He is never heard of again. No one takes the slightest interest in the man who returned from the realm of death. Luke is the only one who tells the story. Maybe Matthew, Mark, and John never heard of it, or did not believe it, and so failed to record it. John says that Lazarus was raised from the dead. Matthew, Mark, and Luke say nothing about it. It was more wonderful than the raising of the widow's son. He had not been laid in the tomb for days. He was only on his way to the grave, but Lazarus was actually dead. He had begun to decay. Lazarus did not excite the least interest. No one asked him about the other world. No one inquired of him, about their dead friends. When he died the second time, no one said, He is not afraid. He has travelled that road twice, and knows just where he is going. We do not believe in the miracles of Mohammed, and yet they are as well attested as this. We have no confidence in the miracles performed by Joseph Smith, and yet the evidence is far greater, far better. If a man should go about now pretending to raise the dead, pretending to cast out devils, we would regard him as insane. What then can we say of Christ? If we wish to save his reputation, we are compelled to say that he never pretended to raise the dead, that he never claimed to have cast out devils. We must take the ground that these ignorant and impossible things were invented by zealous disciples who sought to deify their leader. In those ignorant days these falsehoods added to the fame of Christ, but now they put his character in peril and belittle the authors of the Gospels. Can we now believe that water was changed into wine? John tells of this childish miracle, and says that the other disciples were present, yet Matthew, Mark, and Luke say nothing about it. Take the miracle of the man cured by the pool of Bethesda john says that an angel troubled the waters of the pool of bethesda and that whoever got into the pool first after the waters were troubled was healed does anybody now believe that an angel went into the pool and troubled the waters does anybody now think that the poor wretch who got in first was healed yet the author of the gospel according to john believed and asserted these absurdities If he was mistaken about that, he may have been about all the miracles he records. John is the only one who tells about this pool of Bethesda. Possibly the other disciples did not believe the story. How can we account for these pretended miracles? In the days of the disciples, and for many centuries after, the world was filled with the supernatural. Nearly everything that happened was regarded as miraculous. God was the immediate governor of the world. If the people were good, God sent seed-time and harvest. But if they were bad, he sent flood and hail, frost and famine. If anything wonderful happened, it was exaggerated until it became a miracle. Of the order of events, of the unbroken and the unbreakable chain of causes and effects, the people had no knowledge and no thought a miracle is the badge and brand of fraud no miracle ever was performed no intelligent honest man ever pretended to perform a miracle and never will if christ had wrought the miracles attributed to him if he had cured the palsied and insane if he had given hearing to the deaf vision to the blind if he had cleansed the leper with a word, and with a touch had given life and feeling to the withered limb, if he had given pulse and motion, warmth and thought, to cold and breathless clay, if he had conquered death and rescued from the grave its pallid prey, no word would have been uttered, no hand raised, except in praise and honor. In his presence all heads would have been uncovered, all knees upon the ground, Is it not strange that at the trial of Christ no one was found to say a word in his favor? No man stood forth and said, I was a leper, and this man cured me with a touch. No woman said, I am the widow of Nain, and this is my son whom this man raised from the dead. No man said, I was blind, and this man gave me sight. All silent. End of section seven the New Testament.